This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by St. Bruno's Tobacco. Are you a little light in the loafers but need to butch it up in front of your new country mates? Does your choice of pipe tobacco leave you feeling a bit Soho but you want to be more Somerset? Try St. Bruno's Tobacco. It makes a man out of you. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Ground up, humory, stationary emotions, woods and haberdashery, kitchenware I'm Brandon! And I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Madam a podcast about Are You Being Served? Yippee! Hello, Unanimous! Hello! Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. And can I be the first or last to say, Wilberforce be with you? <laughs> I thought that was brilliant when you put that on today. Thank you. It is May 4th. Uh, Unanimous, you may have missed us. We certainly have missed you. Uh, but it's the 4th of May... Uh, May the 4th, as Americans say, and that sounds a lot like May the Force from Star Wars, so it's like a big holiday now. So I reclaimed it, or claimed it for the first time, to wrap the podcast around it, saying, <laughs> Will the Force be with you? Yeah. So, ho- hooray! Welcome to <laughs> Will Before's Day, I guess. <sighs> How are you doing, Mr. Brandon, besides making terrible puns on the internet? Well, as you know, usual. that's what the internet was built for, really. Um, good. I have to say, before we get into, like, catching up and stuff, because it has been a while, unanimous, we're so sorry. We've been doing this major renovation with the basement. We're adding a bowling alley to uh, the recording studio silo. Um, <laughs> I gotta say, this last episode of Are You Being Served Again, Stroke. Grace and Favor was so cute, so fun, so entertaining. Uh, we heard from a lot of people saying that some rather salacious claims, and we will hear that later, won't we? Hot takes yeah. all about hot take, in the hot comments. take, hot take. It's so yeah. hot we had to turn on the air conditioning in this place. So, <laughs> but yeah, how have you been? Uh, how have you been unanimous? Have you been taking care of yourselves? Up here in the northern hemisphere, it is allergy season. <laughs> And coupled with, you know, um, being around multitudes of people for the first time in two years, everybody I know is either dealing with allergies or a cold. Yep, and a lot of people have gotten COVID, but luckily everyone I know who has gotten it has been fully vaccinated and it's a livable thing. And hopefully if you've received bad news that you had COVID, um, hopefully it was news to you and you didn't really know because that would mean you were asymptomatic. So hopefully everyone's... Staying well out in unanimous land. Did we just name the world unanimous land? <laughs> unanimous land. Wow. I think so. Okay. Well, I think it's a lot better than um, than the fans, than the people who like this page section on Facebook, which is what I usually refer to it as, with uh, our new friends that joined us, Dory, Jeff, Tara, David, Ruben, Alina, and Dennis. Thank you very Hello. much for joining oh, the unanimous. Hold on, hold on. She's not ready. There you go. Gladys. There's Gladys. You need to be a little Gladys finally got out of surgery. Well, she has all these dings she wants hammered out, but, you know, her credit card can only do so much plastic surgery. (laughs) And we heard from friends on Twitter, or is it called Musker yet? I don't know. We'll see. Mm, Still called Twitter. Okay. Um, Who did we hear from, from Twitter, Mr. Jeffrey? So we heard from Foodimentary, who asked us what a ball cock was. Because at some point in the episode, Mrs. Slocum is talking about the state of her ensuite uh, that the toilet was running all night. And one of the characters said, it, it, the ball cock probably needs to be looked at. Is this rated explicit, this episode? The, this entire podcast is rated explicit. But unfortunately, well, this fuck. joke is pretty clean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um I think that this is a pretty standard joke that you see often um, um, on shows that are a little bit R-rated because Mm. it sounds terrible and it's not. If you've ever looked in the back of your toilet tank, that floaty ball thing that rises up when the water is refilling, that's the ball cock. That is a lot less um, titillating than I thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's it's not a titillating answer whatsoever. Unless that's your thing, um, the little floaty thing in the back of your toilet, unless that's what your 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 fascination is. There you go. Oh, moving boy. on. Yeah, uh, right? We got a couple of emails, too. We heard from uh, Mr. Ben from the Grace Brothers Memorial Basement Gym <laughs> in London. 
And he confirmed for us that no one in London used the term fit to mean attractive back in 1988. Yeah. Um, because we were talking about in the 2016 reboot, mm-hmm. they were talking about all the athletes and talking about them as fit. And um, as the uh, as the American professor, I will confirm this because <laughs> I had just watched the day that we got this email. I was rewatching Absolutely Fabulous, mm-hmm. and in series three, episode three, Sex, the one where Patsy and Eddie get the gigolos, and they swap the tape with the genetic ethics oh um, that Safi's presenting. Anyway, yeah, uh, that that would that sh- that premiered on April twentieth, nineteen ninety five, and Christopher, the hair colorist, describes Jeff, one of the. Um, male sex workers yeah. as fit in the sense of attractive. He's ever so fit and willing. So So what I, I guess the, that. The, this came this came about because um in twenty sixteen the Are You Being Served reboot, um which was set in what, nineteen eighty seven, eighty eight, something like that. Right. Yeah. One of the characters re- referred to uh, a sports athlete as fit. And Mr. Ben from the Grace Brothers Memorial Basement, um quite accurately said, actually, they would not have said fit. And it's really cool to have listeners from London who, you know, might have been around back then, back then who would know, like, oh, yeah, they, they wouldn't have used the word fit in 1987 yeah. or whatever it was. Um, and we appreciate really cool. that, Mr. Ben. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Ben. We also heard from uh, Mr. James from North Dakota, um, and he let us know that Wendy Richard was re- briefly written out of EastEnders in order to do the two seasons of Are You Being Served Again. Oh my God, this is so cool. So the plot line was that that Pauline Fowler, her character, was away taking care of her brother Kenny in New Zealand. And she was written out in the show so that she can do Are You Being Served Again, which is awesome. Right. But here's the connection, right? Mm. The character Kenny Fowler, well, no, it wouldn't be Fowler because that would be your husband's name, but Kenny was played by Michael Atwell, who was one of the burglars in The Holdup. Oh, are you being served? Okay, so the tall burglar in the holdup. That's right. Um, you don't make a, don't talk about my mama like a dat, like that scene. <laughs> That's right. Right. Um, that actor played Wendy Richards's brother, brother in EastEnders. EastEnders, and so they kind of they had already known each other in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. James from North Dakota. Super fan, by the way. Um, yep. And can I just mention, too, I've been hearing from a lot of our listeners um, that <laughs> we had uh, Mr. Bill uh, is now a huge, huge fan of Kath and Kim because of our recommendation. And he's obsessing Woo-hoo! over it. And I'm like, yes. And um, so great. And another another friend of mine online who is a listener of the fan of, of the podcast. Hello. Um, is an obsessing with Benidorm, and we also talk about that. So you're welcome. If you've not, if you like Are You Being Served, you will love Kath and Kim, which I think is on Netflix, and Benidorm, it is. which is on BritBox and maybe Netflix. So check it's them out. It's definitely on BritBox. Yeah. yeah. We also got an email from Mr. Jeff D. There is yet another Mr. There Jeff are in the seven fandom. Jeffs. Can you believe it? Jeff I. Um, Don't know. <laughs> asking if we're um, eventually going to do Heidi High uh, as oh. a, one of the shows to think of. And it's quite possible. You know, we've got a lot of people who are asking us to consider looking into shows. I think the only one we can probably say we're likely not going to do at this point um, is Keeping Up Appearances. And because it's not because we, we don't like the show. We both do. But there aren't enough plot lines in the show to make each episode of the podcast different. Yeah, it's, you know, it, 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 it's a it's lot of v- looks from Patricia Rutledge, who is a, yeah. a goddess. Although I think um, Molly Sugden in this episode, we're going to talk about, gave some amazing looks. So I actually watched Heidi High uh, a couple episodes when I was living in the UK. But the problem mm-hmm. is, I don't really know the show. And with Are You Being Served, it's part of my DNA. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and uh, I mentioned that, you know, I'm part of a podcast and da, da, da. And he's like, wow, that's cool. I always thought about doing a podcast. And I said, do something you know a lot about, even if you don't think anyone gives a fuck explicit rating. Um, but I know Are You Being Served like the back of my hand. Like mm-hmm. I rewatched this episode today for the podcast and I could quote a bit of it. And I hadn't seen it in like 30 years. Right. So if you have it's a hard, top- It's hardwired in you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So if... 
Heidi High is not hardwired in me. There's really no other show, honestly. Maybe Ab Fab, maybe Kath and Kim. But yeah, so it's it's a tricky thing doing a podcast on something you don't know. But hey, if you're a fan of Heidi High and it rules your world, do a podcast. Like, did Mr. Jeff, did we know how to make a podcast before we made a podcast? We did not. We kind of figured it out on our own. We started building um, that does suit Madam Studios brick by brick, <laughs> and here we are. Yeah. So there. I, I, yeah, I I agree. I think at least one of us would need to be a super fan. Yeah. Of. Heidi High or Keeping Up Appearance in order to do it. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're only on episode two <laughs> of the sequel. Yeah. Um, and we still have uh, we still have a voicemail to get to, which has a very controversial opinion <gasps> in it, okay. uh, courtesy of Mr. Rob for Virginia. So if you're, like, doing some aerobics or, like, doing some gardening or, like, you know, going through the rose bushes, you need to watch out for the thorns. You're going to be distracted because it's going to be very controversial, okay? So you need to sit down, prepare... And we're going to listen to the voicemail now. Are you prepared? Here it comes. Hi, guys. Mr. Rob from Virginia. Just finished the first Grace and Favor podcast. Like a lot of other people, I'm absolutely delighted that you started this part of the show. I know I'm not supposed to say it out loud, but Grace and Favor was actually my preferred of the two series. Like most folks, I grew up watching it on public television many years ago, 30 years ago now. And when Grace and Favor came out, it was a much newer show. I think I was probably in my late 20s at the time, and I really enjoyed it. I really liked the fish-out-of-water aspect, and I certainly wish they had extrapolated a couple of extra seasons so that we could see more of those characters in the village interact with the city folk based on that. I think that would have gone a long way. That whole Somerset accent that you talked a lot about, the West, West County accent, West Country accent, It's uh, I think the West Country of England is considered how America considers the American South, where the hillbillies, if you will, the rednecks of England. So when the city folk from London moved there, I think that made for a fantastic setting for the show. Looking forward to it. Fantastic as always. You've all done very well, and I am unanimous in that. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. How very dare you? I mean, thank you for the voicemail, Mr. Rob. We appreciate hearing from you. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Um, yeah, thanks, Mr. I, Rob. I totally, I totally get it. I mean, if you, if you started watching the sequel first or because you knew that it was modern or being aired in real time, there's an understanding why you would feel a, a deeper connection to that. Yeah, and, you know, it's always lovely to hear from our fans. Thank you, Mr. Rob. Um, we love getting voicemails. We don't play all of the voicemails we get, but this one was the hottest of hot takes, so we had to air it out just so we could turn down our air conditioning in the studios. Um, do you... I mean, the question is, can you like one series better than the other? Is that sacrilege? I don't even want to go there between you and I, Mr. Jeff, about which we like more. I think it's all the same thing. Both I love both my children equally. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, you know, as, he's, as he said... Um, uh, Mr. Rob said that basically Somerset is the Arkansas of the UK, and I kind of think that's probably accurate, actually. So mm -hmm. nice observation there. So yeah, yep. So it was were we right? I mean, that's very hot take. Yeah, that, I, I, I think that is a hot take. You know, I hope you sat down unanimous and weren't going through the thorns of your woes. So yeah, unanimous chime in. Let us know if you're just like Mr. Rob and prefer. Grace and Favor over original recipe are you being served? Yeah, I gotta say, um, like I said, watching this episode in preparation for the podcast, I laughed out loud like four or five times. And I thought, man, this is a lot better than I remember. So as we always say... I think say, that's three or four more times than I did. <laughs> well, as we always oh, say with yeah. the episodes, it's, you know, we're kind of not doing a review of the episode that we're talking about on the podcast, but go and watch it like before you listen to the episode or maybe after you listen to it. So, cause we're going to talk about it, but um, I don't know. It's, I'm excited that there's still two more seasons to go through. Yes. And I am too. I hear you. So thanks, Mr. Rob. Yeah. So unanimous, please go to your podcast app and leave us a rating. Let us know what you think about us. Uh, stop by the bargain basement to pick up a few t-shirts or coffee cups or other merch. While you're out and about in the world, wear your mask if it's a good idea. Keep washing your hands. 
follow the news in Ukraine, follow the news about Roe versus Wade here in the United States mm-hmm. breaking news. And as always, Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter. Matter. And you've all done very well. So there we go. So we've talked about it already, <laughs> even before we were supposed to. Uh, take us back, Mr. Jeff. What the hell are these nice people wasting their time on listening to us yammer on about? Tonight we are talking about Series 1, Episode 2, Under Arrest, which originally premiered on January 17th, 1992. But all the charges were dropped here, so don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that week in the news, at the top of the Billboard 100 chart for the umpteenth week in a row was Black or White by Michael Jackson. Never heard of him. And the top of the UK singles chart, again was Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Mm-hmm. Um, this week was the highest-scoring NCAA basketball game ever. Troy State Trojans defeated the DeVry Hoyas 258-149 to 149 in Troy, Alabama. Shortly thereafter, they, they banned the use of cocaine in basketball games. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good Lord. There's not supposed to be that many numbers in a basketball sport. That's a lot of numbers. I don't even know if um, those are even compatible numbers. Well, well, for comparison, the most recent March Madness final score was Kansas 72, North Carolina 69. So we're talking about teams that scored three times as much as what people are scoring today. You know what, Mr. Jeff? I wonder if you've been smoking that new St. Bruno's tobacco because that's very much. That's right. St. Bruno's Tobacco. Does your choice of pipe tobacco leave you feeling a bit so <laughs> Thanks to our mythical sponsor. But yes, that's, that's the one time we're butch in the episode, right? Um, Sarah <laughs> Ferguson, the Duchess of York, mm-hmm. had a little bit of trouble that week. Um, first off, her cleaning woman found photos of another man sucking on her toes while she was topless on the beach. Okay. She was caught having dinner at a restricted country club. And she also flew on a commercial airplane flight with a paper bag over her head to avoid getting papped. To avoid getting what? Papped? Like her picture taken by the paparazzi. paparazzi Oh, interesting. So I watch a series, another great series. It's on BritBox called The Windsors. The Windsors? <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's, so, so it's like this, con, this podcast is like, all we do is talk about other British TV shows that we like or Australian. Um, it's very irreverent, very irreverent. It's a comedy. They have actors portraying every member of the royal family, except for one exception. Who is that, Mr. Duff? Um, well, Meghan Markle is... No, she's there. You know, oh, she's there. Um, Sarah Ferguson's definitely there, because she always comes up in, like, the beat-up Toyota <laughs> whenever she drives up someplace, which is great. The reason I mention it is because the character Sarah Ferguson is always, like, stealing dinners at people's restaurants right. and then dashing out the door. And this is why, because she did that. She had dinner at a restricted country club. And I never knew. I just thought it was a silly thing. But the only person they do not depict, they don't even mention. Oh, it's the queen, right? Her, her majesty, Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's like. They talk be... about gra- like the, uh, Wills and Harry will talk about grandma, but like. Yeah. The, the, the characters never depict So it, technically, right? they true. never talk about the crown itself. Yeah, but it's, it's so cool that they don't mention the queen, the the the. The, the position they mentioned grandmother like you said but anyway so um another yet another television show you all have to go watch other than right. i being served um and finally that week the uh cerebral palsy telethon raised 23.5 million dollars the largest amount to date it's a lot of money good for it's them a lot of cheddar yeah okay so we see the, cr- the 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 staff come into the country house we learned about the country house yep um and then they kind of all go to sleep what happened at the very last scene of the last episode we watched, the first episode of the series? Was, okay, so that was uh, Mrs. Slocum and Miss Brahms had to share a room because of plumbing issues in, in their original Some silly room. excuse, yeah. <laughs> and um, Mavis ended up sharing a bed with Mr. Humphrey. <gasps> Escándalo. That was the scandal, right? Okay. So... The episode opens, and it's the very next morning, and um, Mrs. Slocum is filling the tea kettle, and Miss Brahms is looking for a teapot, and there's a mouse in the cupboard. Brave as anything, he's, uh, he's uh, cleaning his whiskers, right? Right there uh, on, uh, on, the, uh, on the teacups. And Mrs. Slocum proudly proclaims, well, he won't be so confident when he sees my pussy. So not even 30 oh seconds into the episode, we yeah, get Yeah, so how does that joke. work with your algorithm? 
it's a 10 out of 10. Like, oh, perfectly timed. Because it's we've never had one so early before. <laughs> it's unexpected. Did right? you clap your hands when you heard it? I watching did. it again? I did. I clapped. <laughs> and I loved it. Um, so, something I noticed in this episode is Molly Sugden, half of her acting or half of the reason I love her are the looks that she gives. And her mm-hmm. little, like, determination, like, sheer determination mm-hmm. on her face, her chin. Like, she sticks her chin out and she kind of grimaces. Uh, he won't be so confident when he sees my pussy. Um, so, so, so cool. Love yeah, her. absolutely. Oh, my God. Tittles is still adjusting to life in the country, and uh, she's not going to let her, uh, Tittles go outside until she puts butter on her paws. I had no idea what this was referring to. I was to. hoping I, you would tell me, actually. Well, it turns out that there there's an old wives' tale that whenever you move house, mm-hmm. you should put butter on the cat's paws, either because the cat's going to take time to lick the butter off of its paws and become um, acquainted with the new environment. Or okay. um, it'll um, remove stress because it'll give him something to do. Um, or... Um, he becomes, um, he, he, uh, the butter will leave little tracks around so he can find his way back. None of those things are actually true. They don't work. So, but this is the thing that people used to do. And I had never heard of that before watching this episode. Well, that's, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, if you were a cat person out there, I'm a dog guy myself, but, um, if you have a cat and have you, have you done that before unanimous? Like it's so, it was a cute little piece of country life that I kind of liked. Yeah. Sounds like an awful waste of butter, if you ask me. Absolutely. Right. Especially especially if there's none left in the larder and they don't have any money for groceries yet. <laughs> I mean, uh. the, so many parts of this episode reminded me of episodes from the original series. You know, like this, the episode where they have to go and put uh, Mrs. Slocum's lambskin coat on the, the rack of lamb in the larder. Oh, yeah. And the little frog that um, Mr. Um, three shishes and a tenderie. Three shishes and a tenderie. Yeah. Right. Ah, so fun. It's still already being served. That's what's so cool about this new series. It's it's, it's the same show. It's the same people. Yeah. So neat. It's all canon. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Humphrey's overslept, and everyone else is already down in, in the kitchen organizing <laughs> their breakfast. Yeah. So uh, Mrs. Slocum says, will you make the tea, Miss Brahms? I'll go and arouse him. Great little play on By words By the way, here. before you do that, I love how Mrs. Slocum is clearly making tea. Like she's putting water in a tea kettle. She's plugging it in. And then Miss Brahms goes, have you made the tea? <laughs> I don't know if, like, they didn't think about it or they were a little bit too slow or something. But, yeah. I'm surprised you didn't notice that. You're, you're no, a stickler I didn't, for those I, I, I didn't catch that one, but that's Letting a good us down, one. down, Jeff. Um, Mr. Humphrey's overslept. And mm. so Mrs. Mrs. Slocum says, will you make the tea, Miss Brahms? I'll go and arouse him. Great little play on words. <laughs> From uh, Mrs. Slocum, rather than Rouse, she says Rouse. As a 13-year-old, uh, I did not get that joke, but I do as a right. 40-year-old now. do as an adult. Um, <laughs> Mr. Humphreys confides that he dreamt that the farmer's daughter climbed into bed with him last night. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, Mavis comes back and says, oh, I was up before Sparrow's fart. So <laughs> Mrs. Slocum learns <gasps> that she did indeed spend the night with uh, Mr. Humphreys. Can we just and comment on Mrs. Slocum's outfit? That it's like this beautiful, very old lady reading dress that's like cobalt blue with like a pussycat bow, yeah. great white hair, and what, a white string of pearls? I think she had uh, white pearls. Th- yeah. She looks very right. maternal, very matronly. She's she an did. old lady in this series. But the dress is very... But it's funny, when you look at Miss um, Brahms' outfit, she's still, like, woman about town. She's hip. She's a little more secretarial. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, she. Yeah. I love how she was... She's always a nosy, kind of gossipy person, right? And we'll see that yep. later on the episode. We'll see that throughout the entire episode. But exactly. I have to say, Fleur Bennett, who I hope listens to the show, is su- did such a great job... Um, playing that innocent kind of, quote, simple farm girl. Right. Um, where she thinks nothing of, like, hopping in bed with Mr. Humphreys, taking off her socks. Um, it's cold. And her knickers, problem. apparently. And her, yeah, I don't, uh, we'll see about that. That's, mm. Yeah. 
But it's so sweet. I, I really like this scene. Can we go on a tangent? I know that's unheard of for the show. Um, but I want to go back no? on a tangent to <laughs> Kath and Kim. Okay. For a second. Um, so Mavis says that she was up before Sparrow's fart, right? Mm-hmm. And this immediately made me think of a malaprop on Kath and Kim that Kath says all the time, which is crack of Sparrow's. And so what that is, is is a combination of Sparrow's fart and um, crack, crack of dawn. dawn. Yeah. And so she calls it crack of Sparrow's, which I think is hysterical. Oh, so she mixes and them together. She mixes the two See, together. See, I right? never noticed that. See, this is why you're good for the show, because you have like one of those minds that can never forget anything and analyzes everything, uh, which we hope Be- you like unanimous. Because right, one of the reasons why Crack of Sparrows is so funny is because it sounds real. It sounds like that could be the true saying. And maybe Americans think that's what you actually say in Australia, which is yeah. probably half true of everything Kath and Kim says. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'll move to Melbourne. I'll be like, oh, I was at the, the Crack of Sparrows. And everyone just sort of like, is that what they say in the States? Like, No, they'll just think <laughs> of you as a Kath and Kim fan. Oh, you're fan, a Kath and right? Kim fan, aren't you? Yeah. So Slocum comes bounding down the stairs, bursting with gossip, but she doesn't want to betray Mr. Humphrey's confidences. <laughs> but no one else cares. They're not biting. Like, she's leading on, like, it, oh, are you taking her out to dinner because it's her birthday? Like, she's trying <laughs> yeah. to tease everyone into asking But I can say no more. Her. Wild horses won't drag it out of me. Right. And everyone's, Meanwhile, like, not even paying attention. <laughs> right. so funny. Meanwhile, Mavis comes downstairs. I can't find my knickers nowhere. Will you ask Mr. Humphreys if he found them? Oh if I left them under his pillow. Right? That gets everybody's attention. And so they all start to talk and they start to guess about what happened last night, knowing what they know about Mr. Humphreys' character. So um, the staff need to get breakfast. So Mr. Slocum goes out to gather some eggs and Mr. Moulter sneaks up behind her. And she gets such a surprise that she jumps, and she ends up getting stuck in the doorway of the hen house. This is almost going over the line, but continue. So he's trying to grab hold of her hips. You know, we're trying to explain a visual gag here, listeners. Yeah, bear yeah, with yeah. us. <laughs> She's trying. He is trying to grab hold of her hips from behind to pull her out of the hen house. So let's let's explain just one, like a little bit further. So there's a great big hen house. Half of her body, she had to bend down to go into the door to get the eggs. So the camera from afar points to Mrs. Slocum. You can see basically like the middle of her back to her legs. And she's bent at a 90 degree angle, collecting the eggs inside. And then what does Mr. Moulter do? And so she's stuck inside the hen house. And Mr. Holter, Mr. Moulter goes up behind her and grabs her by the hips to try and pull her out <laughs> of the hen house. Peacock and Rumbold want their breakfast. They don't know what's taking so long. So they come around the corner to the site of a headless Mrs. Slocum bent over and Mr. Moulter kind of grabbing her from behind and kind of like pulling her towards him. It looks like he's taking her doggy style al fresco. It it looks like Mr. Moulter is fucking Mrs. Slocum. I'll be the one to say it. And when quite vulgarly, vulgarly, I will say. Um, vulgarly, um, I kind of put my hand over my mouth, clutched my pearls, and I almost thought, oh, fuck, this is a bit too far. Like, this is, wow, right? I mean, would they have done that in the 70s? This would not have flown on the anti-beeb in the 70s or the 80s. I agree with you, yeah. Um, and... Mr. Rumbold and Captain Peacock, being the good-natured British gentlemen they are, they see it, turn around, say nothing, and change the conversation. Yeah, because they said, I wonder what's taking her so long. Those eggs should have been collected by now. And then they see her and Mr. Moulter, and maybe they, you know. And there's it's, it's so cute because apparently had a little tryst back when they were like nine or something or ten. Right. Who knows? That's kind of a running gag. And then that happens. It's, I have to say, that's probably the most explicit thing in the Are You Being Served world, don't you think? I mean, maybe I there's so. something I've and, forgotten about. And the audience went wild for it, right? <laughs> this, this obviously isn't taped before a studio audience because they're actually, yeah. you know, on, on location. But the, the, the reaction from the audience was <sighs> like shrieking with laughter. You know, very reminiscent of whenever Hyacinth gets into one of her hijinks. You hear, mm. like, you can hear how they, they shriek with laughter at the absurdity of it. 
especially when she's put in a compromising situation. Which happens a lot on, on um, that show. But it Keeping also reminds me of the yeah. scene where um, Trevor Bannister has to pick up Molly Sugden. Oh, yes. and like, In the uh, scene where, like, pick her up and put her on the chair. Or put her on the chair. Her. And I and like basically, you could see that Trevor Bannister was like he literally picked her up, and hand between like, her legs, like half fireman's lift. Yes! Oh my god! Yeah. And th- I remember the raucous roaring laughter. Uh, yeah, of that. that's true. Yeah. Oh my god! So yeah, that's that's quite another hot take of this episode. <laughs> Mr. Jeffries comes mm. down, um, and they try to get the story out of him, but he doesn't really tell much. Mm. He's being very coy about it for some reason. You know, it's we would expect him to be very defensive, like, oh, oh, nothing happened. You know, yeah. you know my character. You know that I would never do that to this young nineteen-year-old girl or whatever. Yeah. But he's just being very coy about it. He doesn't. He doesn't feel like eating breakfast as a way to kind of shrug off the um, uh, avoid the questions. So he decides to go for a manly walk out in the country, and mm. he minces out of the door, right, which is hysterical. Do you think we could recreate the tea cozy and put it in the store? Do you think there'd be a market for that tea cozy that the or the egg cozy? Have we hired any people who have knitting skills in the um, compound? We have a couple dozen. Uh, they're just waiting <laughs> for orders. So dozen. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. The egg cozy is on its way. Yes, yes. Later that day, Mr. Rumbold gathers everyone to figure out what they're going to do about the house, right? Because they decided yesterday mm. that they were going to sleep on it the while they slept episode, on it. Yeah. And now they've got to figure out what they do because their pension is tied up in this place. Um, Mr. Humphreys comes back with his manly walk with a walking stick and smoking a pipe. He <laughs> says, I'm free in the deepest butcher's I'm voice free. he's ever said it in, right? Urgh. So they're trying to figure out how they can get out of how they can free their pension from being tied up in this house. And they try and identify if there's a way that they could figure out or they can prove that young Mr. Grace was not of sound mind when he wrote his will. If we could prove that he was a bit dotty and didn't know what he was doing. So, Professor Jeff added Dotty. Is that that Cockney rhyming slang? It's not Cockney rhyming slang and it's not Polari. So, Dottie comes from toddy, which comes from totter, like teeter-totter, meaning unsteady. So, it's just a clipping. It's not actual rhyming slang. Okay, so I guess you could say, hmm, totter, somehow the T becomes a D. Yeah. Uh, Teeter-totter, kind of loopy. Okay. So, I I guess, as I remember the episode, um, Mrs., uh, what's her name? Um, Haywood is the actress. Um, well, Miss, yeah. So Miss Lovelock comes back at Lovelock. this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, um, and that's where we learn that um, she is. Well, no, actually, it's later in the episode where we learn that she is the second signatory on all of the checks because they were and trying the to get rid of her because they're like, we don't really yeah. like her. And of course, I think it was was it Miss Slocum or somebody like kind of a little jealous of maybe Captain Peacock's attention. Miss Brahms, I think, was Brahms, a little jealous yeah, too, yeah. right? Because yeah. she's no longer the you know the young um, ingenue of the mm. of the team, right? Miss um, Lovelock is out going riding. Uh, the stallion is sixteen hands, and he's just had his oats, right? Which somehow turns Captain Peacock on. Is that because she he thinks of himself as a stallion, <laughs> age sixty seven or whatever he is, right? Um, what does sixteen hands mean? Do you know? I'm not a horse person. So hand is a unit of measurement for horses. Oh, so which how is big he is. Roughly equivalent to how tall the horse is, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, Mr. Thorpe is coming to visit with an advance from the pension fund. So they're gonna use that money to um, pay the laundry bill, order some food, get the staff advances. So it sounds like they're gonna make a go at running this manor house as a B and B, right? And someone mentions uh, maybe um, Captain Peacock that we could pay the staff. And then it comes out that um, Maeve is multered, Fleur Bennett's character, um, doesn't get paid. And then like yeah. later on, I think you see that it's kind of a really nasty relationship she has with her dad. And so she's mm-hmm. living in this home for free, um, but she's kind of like a servant, but doesn't get paid. And then suddenly yeah. she appears with like a tray of tea for everybody. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a weird, weird thing. So... That's I, I always say it that that's she's her character is someone I really wish we had 
better opportunity to kind of figure out who she is as a person. But we've got, we got you know two, two more seasons, seasons yet, right? So we're about halfway through the episode, and we're going to be taking our tea break soon. Because I'm so but thirsty. Here's something I want want to to point out. Hmm. The title of the episode is "Under Arrest," and yes. so far, no one has done anything that warrants an arrest. So maybe like, something happens in the second episode, second half of the episode. I sure as we... shit hope so, because this is really, really slow. And I understand that we've got to be a little expository once we fast forwarded a couple of years yeah. to put these new char- these beloved characters in a new setting. But for Christ's sakes, is our only laugh is going to be Mr. Moulter the not shagging. <laughs> well, remember, it's easy to forget that social media has really made our attention spans infinitesimally small. Um, this was before the So you internet. can't say vulgarly, but you could say infinitesimally? Vulgarly. <laughs> vulgarly. Yes. Infinitesimally. No, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> can't do it again. Oh, well. Words are good. But now that you've mentioned tea, that's all I can think about. Um, we can go play a quick game of bowling in the basement now that we've fin- finally renovated. So we're going to pop down, have some tea, maybe a couple of games, and we'll come right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Um, this just in, Unanimous, that our teletype machine is coming in with some hot news. Uh, I'll turn you over to our Somerset correspondent, Mr. Brandon, with more information on what's happening. Mr. Brandon, can you bring us up to date? Well, here we are in Somerset County, and we have breaking news. Actually, <coughs> oh, goodness gracious, sorry. Um, okay, we talked about Kath and Kim earlier in the first half. There's breaking news, folks, and I, I, I have to break it to Mr. Jeff as well. I'm, I, I'm, I don't have any pearls, but I'm clutching my, my shirt right now. I, don't, I, I can't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeff, unanimous listeners, the coveted Kath and Kim home in Melbourne, Australia, Victoria, is no more. That's true, listeners. They have destroyed it and torn down the home where Kath and Kim was filmed. That's right. Number four, Lagoon Court in Patterson Lakes, or the fictionalized Fountain Lakes, um, was recently bought by new owners, and they wanted to make the house their own and didn't want to have the legacy of Kath and Kim and have fans coming by, by all the time. So they demolished the house this week. But you know what they say? They say you're supposed to over... Fuck, what is it? You're, you're supposed to buy the best house in the worst street, because that way you can... No, wait, no. You're supposed to buy the. Uh, the, you, you, the you're meant to buy the. You're meant to buy the worst house in the best street, so you can lord it over people. So they're obviously lording it over everyone, and you're supposed <laughs> to overcapitalize. And right. goodness, they are doing that. So they must have a very strong marriage. So if you've ever wanted to go to Melbourne to go and play homage, just know that they are lording it over everyone, and they've torn it down. It's very sad. Yeah. I really hope they do something with Mandy's brushbacks next door because those new owners are entitled to television. And if you have no idea what we're talking about, that's your problem and not ours. Um, <laughs> you need to watch Kath and Kim. Yeah. So <laughs> Anyway, so what the hell to, are we talking about? Being, oh, congratulations on winning the game of bowling downstairs. Well done. Thank you. Well Thank done. You. I owe you a pint. Um, the staff go to Village for lunch. Mind you, this is the same village where Mr. Humphreys bought his tobacco, and there's only one horse with an old little old carriage in the back. 
And <laughs> it's only Mr. Captain Peacock and Mrs. Slocum who are going to lunch okay. because Mr. Humphreys is going to be busy um, sawing wood. Being butch. At, in the boiler with Mavis, right? And yeah. meanwhile, you know, I guess Miss um, Brahms is going to make tea or clean up after breakfast, right? Something I'm curious about, we do see the exterior shot. So they bring in a horse named Dick and they have a little tiny carriage like for two people. And I'm sure there's a term for that that I don't know. But you see the front of the manor house and that's the actual manor house where they filmed the first episode and now the yep. second episode. I wonder how often we see that in the future episodes that we have left of the series. Um, um, th- th- this just came to my mind. Is, is that, isn't that called a Surrey? That little carriage that can only see two people? Like I think of like a Surrey with a fringe on top. It's supposed to be like meant for like an intimate romantic ride. Am I just making that up? Oh, um, is that from a musical that I don't know or something? It is. It of is, course it is. It is. <laughs> I anyway, don't okay. know, but leave it to Mr. Jeff. Mr. So. Moulter uh, insists on calling Mrs. Slocum Rachel. He doesn't call her Betty or oh. even Mrs. Slocum. He calls her Rachel, which was the name she went by when she was younger. And she's refusing his advances and not acknowledging that they knew each other when they were younger. Yeah. And he says, well, you haven't half come on since you were known as the Tiverton Bicycle. Oh, boy. Which is quite the offensive thing to say. In my little 13-year-old mind, I did not know what that meant. A lot of jokes from the second second series of Grace and Favor, um, I, I just... I just accepted it as something I didn't understand and just moved yeah. on, which you do a lot when you're 13. You know, there's a lot about right. the world you don't get, but right. yeah. But you know, for those of you who still haven't conned on, when you're calling someone a bicycle, it means that everyone's had a ride. Meaning you're a slag. You're s- sexually promiscuous, right? Yeah. Miss um, Lovelock pops in to say that some hunters plan to cross the property this afternoon as part of a um, fox and hound hunt. And so it seems like Rather than being the villain or the source of conflict, Ms. Lovelock is serving like a narrator almost to kind of pop in and let the staff know these are things that are happening around rather than actually interacting with them. I agree. And because like you said, we're not in the store anymore. So a lot of the drama and the plot would be brought from customers. Right. right. Well, we don't have customers now. So that's actually really thing, interesting. Is because that we could have customers if they would, you know, pay the bills and start running the manor. We could be interacting with the guests in the hotel, much like the staff used to interact with the customers in Grace Brothers. Yeah, that's true. Um, my memory of the show, which again is like 25 years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember that being a thing. I don't think it is. But either. I remember the original series, it was the, the customers. So it's interesting with the. Um, Lovelock character played by Joanne Haywood, who, by the way, is a follower of ours on Twitter. So hopefully she listens to the show. Hello. Um, Maybe her character was sort of created to like in this episode, she's saying, oh, by the way, there's a fox hunt randomly. Right. And which comes into play at the end of the episode. So it's cool that she maybe her character was written in to kind of pepper the plot points for the show, which was a lot easier to do with the with the. with this, the the customers in the original series, mm-hmm. but since it's yeah. not really like that, maybe it was just easier to have one character do that, and then she could also be sort of the love interest, maybe, maybe not. And we'll have I to, really yeah, like we'll her. have to keep an eye on it to see yeah. because Mavis isn't turning out to be a a a, a villain or a, a, a source of conflict. Mister Moltered, kind of, but that's more for Mrs. Slocum anyway. Fish out, <laughs> fish out of water, right? Yeah. We're, we're seeing a little bit of the tension that Mrs. Slocum used to have with Mr. Harmon or Mr. Mash mm, that she yeah. does with Mr. Moltered, but not quite the kind of tension that she had with Mr. Lucas, which and is I think a the different tension, kind of, yeah. I think the tension for the first two episodes, at least, seems to be like, oh, these are city folk. Now they're fish in the out country. Of water, yeah. And yeah. wow, what do we do? They don't know the ways of things, so... Yeah. So Miss Humphreys is trying to do the washing up. I guess Miss Brahms didn't take care of that while everyone else was on their walk or um, <laughs> having, you know, going out to lunch. But there's no hot water. So Mavis takes him to um, show him how to light the boiler. 
and then we get a bit of physical comedy with them sawing the logs. Oh my god! And he god. gets hit in the gentleman department with the with the end of the saw. <laughs> right. It's quite. This is a very sexually charged episode. Yeah, lots lots of double entendres visually here as well, right? Yeah. Um, we cut to the path where uh, Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock are riding the horse. It's very bucolic. They're having oh my a lovely, god! So gorgeous. A lovely yeah. ride, right? It was and, almost like a postcard, um, right? That, yeah, that, that exactly. scene of them in, their, in her blue outfit, which again is very striking, contrasting with the white uh, necklace in her hair. And then he's looking like the country gentleman, which is very Captain Peacock, yeah. riding along a country path uh, on a warm, sunny day in usually rainy England. Uh, right. This is, you know, honestly, now that I think about it, this is a beautiful episode. Um, the outdoor scenes are very sunny, which in England is quite a unique quite thing. Quite rare. Yeah. yeah. So especially, like, it's a really sweet, it reminds me a little bit of Muppets Take Manhattan when they're riding the uh, bicycles in Central Park. Okay. Right? So beautiful and, like, charming. And this is slow. I never kind of... would have come up with that, but I could see that. <laughs> well, it's me. So, <laughs> but she's sort of, like, snuggling with Captain Peacock. She's like, oh, Captain Peacock, isn't this romantic? Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she very naively says, oh, look over there. There's a bull climbing on the back of a cow to get a better look over the edge. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Clearly not what the bull is doing, right? Um, (laughs) There's another horse and cart that are blocking the path. Mrs. Slocum goes to move it, and the horse takes off. The owner comes back from behind the tree. Uh, Apparently, he had to go spend a penny on the road. Mm. And Slocum can't stop the horse. Peacock follows and leaves the owner behind. The owner now thinks that someone has stolen his horse and cart and uh, all the contents in between, right? I love how Mrs. Slocum, um, when she's, and it's actually happening, like it's, she's on a cart and there's a camera on the cart and she is dashing away um, and the, the horse is really moving fast. She's like falling over, like she's, it's, it's really cute, very effective, very funny. Um, and it's, it wasn't like CGI. Of course, none of that existed in 1990, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's really her being dashed down a country road, uh, acting live. And she probably wasn't going that fast. And they probably didn't use doubles. They probably didn't use stunt doubles for those scenes either. Well, maybe the shots from behind, but like the one straight on, like it's her, you know? Yeah. Um, really cute. Um, she does a great job in that scene. So, so back in the barn, Mr. Humphreys is covered in soot, right? Because <laughs> him and Mavis have been feeding the boy with logs. And Mr. Moulter yells at Mavis for making Mr. Humphreys do women's work. This gentleman. Yeah. This is where we start to see the tumultuous relationship that Mavis has with her dad. Mm, and the yeah, way that yeah. he treats her, right? Right. Um, back in the in the manor, they get a telephone call or... or um, no, uh, it's Miss Lovelock, I think, brings the news that Mrs. Slocum is in the nick for stealing a gypsy cart and Peacock got done for speeding. And so um, I think this is another one of those things where even though the show is, what, eight years from when we originally saw it, um, times continue to evolve because yeah. we don't use the word gypsy to talk about people anymore. Um, you know, We use the word um, Roma or Rumney or Rumnishal. To yeah. talk about those those traveler people, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that um, a lot of, especially, you know, this is how many years ago? It's 2022, so let's say, let's say let's say 30, just to make it easy. 30 years ago, that's not a long time. I mean, I'm 40, that's, it's, it's a long time, but it's not 100 years, right? But mm-hmm. I will say the way that we speak about people in jokes and comedy, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, um... That is one of the things that you don't really hear too much, but I think it's more of a presence in Europe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But yeah, the the G word, gypsy, like, I mean, there's a share song you with it. But yeah, it's not a nice word. Like, whenever you are a third party describes your community way that you don't like, ask them, what's the better word? And that's what has happened with this community. Yeah, so. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, the post has come with the applications for the new staff. So I guess Mr. Rumble's idea about putting an ad in the local newspaper worked after all. Yeah, um, and Mavis knows everybody because it's a small town. Mm. So uh, someone named Mrs. Hampton has applied for the cook job, which is probably not a good idea because she only has one arm and she rolls pastry between her knees. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> um, 
And then we get um, Mrs. Lemming, who works for The Undertaker. Okay. Uh, probably also not a good idea that someone would want working in the kitchen, right? Um, and then we get Mr. Moulter interrupting yet again to yell at Mavis for not tending to the tractor, right? I thought so that was is, really random. It didn't play anything in the show. It was just like no, a little not cut at all. Paste, it was just right? another, just a short little interjection there. And this is the second time that, well, we heard it a lot in the first, we heard it twice in the first episode. And I think we've heard it three times so far now mm. where Mavis makes a reference to getting the strap. And I'm wondering if that's a, it was intended to be the new catchphrase. Like, getting the strap. Like, kind of like, uh uh-oh, you're going to get it, or someone's in trouble. Cut it out, or whatever. Like, if you think of, like, a precocious kid in an 80s sitcom going, "Uh uh-oh, you're in trouble, is this, like, I'm going to get the strap supposed to be the catchphrase here? That's interesting. I mean, I don't think of the catchphrase thing as a UK television thing, but of course, I'm free, and like, all of that stuff. I'm free, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, like, violent. And, of course, 30 years ago, we just talked about the gypsy and the Roma word. Yeah. You know, um, even though things are, you know, there's a lot about our being served we love. There's a tiny little bit we don't. This is one of them for me. So, yeah, yeah don't beat your children, even if they're adults. Don't beat anyone, for that matter, right? Right. Um, Mr. Thorpe and Miss Prescott are back. So maybe, like I said in the last episode that they were probably one-off characters. Well, but they, they may back, be yeah. coming back to visit, right? Um, and they've brought um, Captain Peacock and Mrs. Slocum back with them. They stopped in in the local jail on their way in, driving in from London, right? Mrs. Slocum looking a little worse for wear. Um, yeah. There are charges for reckless driving, but the charges for indecent exposure have been dropped. <laughs> I guess when Mrs. Slocum fell out of the cart, maybe she wasn't wearing any knickers. When she was when knickers, she was passing right? the post office, apparently, like she gave him a little flash. Yeah, which is something you can definitely picture Mrs. Slocum. Like, of course, that would be something her character would end up doing, right? Yeah, not by exactly. not her by her own volition, but um, yeah. the case comes before the local magistrate in the morning, and um, the Mrs. Slocum is worried that she's going to be put in cell block H. <laughs> so here we get a great reference to that show Prisoner, that everyone who guested on Are You Being Served Australia was on at one point or another. Oh, okay. So Cell Block so H was like, oh, circle. everyone knows what that is. I heard of it, but I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mr. Thorpe has the check with the advance, but it needs two signatures, and this is where we find out that Miss Lovelock is the co-trustee on the fund. So they have to go to her every time they want to draw funds from the pension in order to, you know, spend money on the matter. So she's going to stick around as the character. So she's going to stick around. And so I guess this introduces a point of future potential conflict because we could see her questioning what they're using the money for or being stingy with the money, etc. Or refusing to sign, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Back over on the hunt, the pack is chasing after Tittles, who comes racing in through the cat flap, right? The, the fox, and so instead of chasing a fox, they're chasing Tiddles, the they're cat. They're chasing the cat, right? Oh, no. And so Mrs. Slocum comes to the Dutch door, and there are all these hounds outside, you know, baying at her. Get them away! <laughs> right, and she's, like, you know, being very, very proper with them. Yeah. And so finally she asks the whipperin, who is the part of the hunt that um, is responsible for keeping the hounds from wandering. So that term, by extension, means anyone who enforces discipline, Right. Um, to do something with the hounds. And she says, as her final words, well, they're not having my pussy, and I am unanimous in that. And the episode ends. Does everyone know what a fox hunt is? No. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Oh, I was hoping you to answer that one. Um, so a fox hunt is something that's kind of, like, associated with, like, the British countryside. Like, if you're a mm-hmm. rich person and you have a title Do or you know the Cotswolds? <laughs> um... You probably have a house in the city in London, and then you probably have a country home, you know, like the ancestral home or something. And it's quite fashionable. And like when you think of like Polo, Ralph Lauren, or like really like Burberry, a lot of the fashion or a lot of the photo shoots will have like a fox hunt kind of scene. And it's a lot of like horse riding and like horse riding boots, which is very fashionable right now for women and men. Um... 
wearing like tight jackets and like the little pith, not the pith helmet, but like the, the velvet helmet that you wear when you're riding a horse. Anyway, so it's a very fashionable money thing to do to have a fox hunt. And if you watch Downton Abbey, you see it, you see it in the crown. Um, basically, they have hounds that kind of run around and sniff for the scent of a fox. And then you have all of the people on the, the horses kind of chasing the hounds. And it's, you're technically hunting, but you don't really hunt. Uh, I think the hounds might do all the hunting for you. And you kind of, it's basically a place to be seen. And um, it's almost like golf. Like people love golf, but it's good to be seen playing golf for businesses yep. and like making connections and handshaking and networking and stuff. So it's kind of like that. But it, it comes across as like, you know, I know in a later episode they play cricket and they do fox hunting. And then like you have to have lots and lots of land, which is what they have in this estate. So it, it felt kind of like almost like a love letter to the British public. Like, mm -hmm. fox, like, what's the most British thing? Playing cricket, well, Indian now, right? And around the world. But, like, fox hunting seems to me very British, very old-fashioned. Are you being served? Definitely still, are you being served again? And Grace and Favor still caters to that older crowd, um, who at this point probably be 60s or 70s. So I don't know if fox hunting is still a thing. It probably is. It was interesting because Mrs. Slocum said, well, I feel sorry for the fox. Which was, like, kind of progressive. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> right? But, my God, Tittles was being chased. And at the very end, you see her going through the cat flap. And it's probably, like, a piece of fur on a string that's right. pulled very quickly. So, all you do is see a blur. But that's right. the end of the episode. Yeah. I have to say, this was a really good one for me. I really liked it. For, for me, this, like, as I alluded to right before the tea break... It was really slow. Yeah, we had the f entire first half of the episode. Oh come on! Without any action, and now we've heard that the court is the case is going to go for the court the next morning. And considering that the next episode is called the court case, I feel like this entire first season is only going to cover like their week. first week or so <laughs> at, the, at the new country house. Yeah, it's it's going really slowly. And that's a difference between the old series yeah. because the old yeah. series every episode was independent. Right? Every episode was a couple of days, uh, spanned a couple of days. Yeah, but that's true because, like, they would cut to a commercial and then come back and it would be, like, you know, later that day. They'd have to come up with a scheme and then the next day they'd have to enact the scheme. And then on the third day they figure out the results of the scheme, right? I think it's probably, if you're going to, if I'm right, if I'm writing a new TV series, I think it's probably a little easier to do a TV series where each day, each episode is like the next day and it's one long, almost like a soap opera. It's continuous. Mm. With already being served the original series, um, that didn't really happen. You know, you would reference things, but it wasn't like a soap opera where each day passes with each episode. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of continuity with, continuity, the, with the plot. Yeah. yeah. But maybe that's how television changed in that, that passage of I, time. I'm still very hopeful that Croft and Lloyd are not going to let us down and we're going to get some episodes that are knee slappers all the way through and not just because of a potential erotic imagery of uh, Mr. Moulter and Mrs. Slocum getting oh, it on. Let's not leave the episode on that. I will say I did notice that um, the director was a guy named Michael something. It was not Lloyd and Croft. So maybe they kind of bless it and they got it started, but now it's a director who's... Yeah. Not them, but we'll see what happens. But we'll see. Yeah. What are we? So we've already mentioned the episode. What's it called again? That we're going to cover next. It's called the court case that we're going to talk about next mm. week. And I'm guessing this is where Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock will have to explain why they stole this Rumney person's court cart and horse. And it's interesting uh, when you're in the UK, there is that community, and you do see them with horses on the street. With a little two-person carriage behind it, so that's something yeah. you don't see in North America, uh, unless I'm mistaken. I, I, I've never seen it. But. There, there are there are Rumney communities in the the U.S. Um, they call them Rumnishal here, mm. and that's uh, usually out in like Tennessee, Kentucky, hmm. um, very far western Maryland. That part of the country is where a lot of them are. Interesting. It's a wide world, isn't it? 
Well, it Mr. Is, Jeff, if people indeed. wanted to ask us questions about the podcast, um, if they had a hot take, like they liked one series better than the other series, proceed with caution. Um, <laughs> where would they get in touch with us? Well, they can do it on Facebook or on Twitter, or they can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam spelled with an e at gmail.com, or they can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. And while you're at it, head up down to our bargain basement shop and grab some merch at imfree.threadless.com. Shameless plug. And with that, Mr. Jeff, as we say every time, you've, you've all done very well. Very well. Bye. Bye, Unanimous. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are you being served as a copyrighted program of the BBC? The owner of a stolen vehicle will not be held liable for damages when the vehicle is stolen and then involved in an accident which causes injury or property damage.